Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. On this episode, writer, podcaster, and artist Sarah Geringer discusses with Rachel about the value of making art for pleasure, self-care, and worship. It's uh, Rachel here from Theophany Media, and I am in, in oh, get me words all in a twist, interviewing Sarah Geringer for the Creatively Christian podcast. So, hello, Sarah. Thank How are you? Glad to be here with you, Rachel. Yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. It's such a privilege to spend some time with you. So, I've been looking about all that you do and you've got this fantastic website and it's really informative let me remember the let's see what it was again so is it just your name on the website sarahgeringer.com yes uh-huh. yes that's it and finding peace in god's word and mm-hmm. um, so i've been looking at it it's phenomenal you've got loads of podcasts and you've written books and it's so informative around marriage and raising children um but I'm really curious though because we were just chatting a bit before because you talked a little bit about being an artist and I'm really interested about that side of your life so would you mind sharing a bit about your faith and your creative upbringing and how that led you to your artistic pursuits yeah what a question it's great um you know I can't remember not being a Christian So I was very blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Um, It's something I don't take for granted because I know a lot of people can't claim that as part of their spiritual heritage. Um, But I was 15 before I had a born again experience when I kind of started my personal relationship with God. So those early years were kind of forming a foundation for me um, about Bible knowledge and learning about uh, God's character. And then when I was a teenager, I got to know him really as a person, um, as a friend. So, uh, and it's just been an unfolding journey since that time. If you would have asked me when I was three years old, what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was an artist. And my mom said um, that I was putting knees and elbows and knuckles on my stick figure people that I was drawing. And so that was way different from my, my classmates. So obviously I had a gift of noticing details. I think that's probably one of my strengths as an artist and probably as a writer too. And then when I was 13, when I was um, in junior high my teachers were complimenting my writing. And I thought, maybe I'll be a writer too. I could be a writer and illustrate my books. So that's what I kind of dreamed about when I was young. And so that led me to pursue a double major when I went to college. So I have a BA in English and I have a BFA in graphic design and illustration. And, uh, it's hard living in the Midwestern United States. It's not really known as um, 
as a place where the arts are as supported by comparison to New York or California where, where artists really commune together. But there's pockets all over the country. And it was a struggle for me before the internet became widely available uh, in the really the mid 2000s, I guess, uh, to think, how am I going to be an artist and a writer in this small Midwestern community that's not really necessarily supportive of the arts? Um, and so I had to connect with the artists and writers who do live here. Mm-hmm. And that really helped kind of foster my dreams, even though they were in infant stages. Um, it helped me connect with other people who may not have necessarily had a career in the arts, but they were pursuing it as a hobby because they loved it. And I feel like that should be true of all of us as artists and creatives. You've got to love it so much that you can't not do it, that you've got to have this driving passion. And I feel like over the years, even though I kind of put my artistic dreams on the back burner because I was raising my children, um, they never died and I never let them die. Um, I kept journals. I've kept journals since I was 10 years old. So that's where I was practicing my writing, writing craft. And I would buy art magazines. I would go to the museums in every city that we visited just to, just to stay connected to that desire in me um, for creativity and beauty. And um, so in 2010, I started blogging and I didn't really get serious about it until 2015. And when I got serious about it is because I was just, I just had a day job, which many of us have to have to eat, you know, Mm -hmm. but I would get up early in the morning, excuse me, take a drink. I would get up early in the morning before work, before my day job, and blog and share images to feed my own soul and spirit. And that powered me through a job that really didn't use any of my creative gifts. Um, But it, it helped me connect with who I really am, or who I feel most comfortable being, and that's a creative person. And so finally in 2017, I quit my job to work as a writer and graphic designer full-time from home. And it didn't take long where I was making enough money working as a freelancer uh, to equal what I was being paid working 35 hours a week at a job I didn't really like maybe working half as many hours and getting paid really what I deserve to be paid um, all along. And I think it takes time to get to that point. Um, But you have to be very perseverant and and kind of stay in connection with your dream uh, to be able to live the kind of life that you want as a creative person. So um, 
really, I think my career as a writer took off when I went to in-person conferences and connected with agents and editors and the people that are in the industry that are kind of the doorkeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and not just connecting with them, but connecting with all the other people who were creatives that I could collaborate with and create and have friendships with them. So it's been, it's been kind of a long journey, but I'm very glad that I found a place where I can work in the areas where I've been gifted, where I dreamed about when I was just a little girl and, um, pursuing that in a more uh, open way than I was earlier in my career. So it really did stem from childhood from what I'm hearing. So you were born into a Christian family and you've always had a love of drawing and writing and that sort of inspired you to do the degree that you did, which was illustrate, was it graphic design and illustration? Yes. uh Yeah. So that's really cool. And it's sort of, you know, enabled you to then think more creatively. And I really was intrigued in your discipline around how you get up early, you got up early. So you're doing a normal job that you didn't particularly enjoy, but you got up early and blogged and that was your creative outlet. And I think, wow, because I'd love to be a morning person. I'm a night owl, that's my problem, but to get up in the morning. And and it it is having, finding that space, isn't it, where you can create and making that, it's almost like a discipline for you. And it's a really good sort of tool for all of us to sort of, you know, if we stop watching a little bit less Netflix or whatever. Uh, right. You do that. So I used to do scrapbooking, which is a very American thing. And that's what got me through motherhood. <laughs> yes. Children. So, yeah, but it's definitely, it's all very similar, isn't it? Like the images and the writing. And, the, and this is what I feel is the flow coming through. So you mentioned doing art as a hobbyist is that something you still do as a hobbyist or is that something you're doing more professional now well I don't know if you've heard of the concept of 10,000 hours Uh, basically um, there's a um, Malcolm Gladwell talked about this in one of his books that you need 10,000 hours in something to become an expert So I don't feel like I have reached the 10,000 hour mark. Maybe it's 7,000 hours. Maybe that's not, you know, a hard and fast rule, but basically investing a lot of time in learning about the craft, practicing it, working out the kinks, finding your style, finding your voice, and then making it your own. So I don't think I've reached that yet with my art. I think I have reached that with my writing, uh, but like I was telling you when we um, talked before we got on this interview, as much as I love writing, and I do, it's like art is my passion project. So it's just, it's just a way that when I'm making art, I'm in the, the zone uh, where time kind of stops and I know I'm, I'm having just full pleasure in what I'm doing. And I feel like God is smiling on me when I'm doing it, whether that piece ever gets 
seen by the public or sold to a customer, it really doesn't matter because I'm so happy doing that. That does happen to me when I'm writing my books as well, but I feel like because maybe that was my very first love as a child, there's just so much pleasure in that when I make the time to do it. And so what my, my teenage daughter also has uh, artistic talents. She wants to uh, pursue a degree in graphic design. I can only imagine what her degree is going to look like compared to mine in 2001 because the technology has advanced so rapidly. Um, but the, the design principles are still the same. You know that as an artist, we've got to, we've got to um, incorporate all of those classic design elements to create something that's really cohesive and beautiful. So what we decided to do about a year ago is to have art Sundays together. So as part of honoring our Sabbath rest, uh, we get out all of our materials and she works on her thing and I work on my thing. And that has been really fun because it kind of reminds me in college, you know, we'd have these classes where we're all working on our art at the same time. Nobody was just a solo artist. We were working in community and then we'd have these critiques and you know, be able to point out things in each other's work that needed some, um, just a boost. And it, we were better for that. We were better working in community. So it kind of reminds me about that, um, time and, uh, you know, she's still learning. Um, and it's, it's neat to kind of teach her some techniques that she doesn't, um, have yet in her skill set. And it's just such a great way to spend the Sabbath just in pure delight. And um, I, it was this fall, uh, our pastors did a sermon series on self-care and redeeming the Sabbath. And they said that Sabbath rest is not just worshiping, taking naps. It's also delighting in something. And so for me, art is that, uh, it's, a, it's a source of delight for me. And so Sundays have been the best time for me to, to do that because I use graphic design for my job, but the reason I picked that degree was because I knew I could get a job in graphic design. That's a commercial kind of venue for art. But my, my love is in the fine arts, the, you know, working with my hands, uh, painting and drawing and um, fiber arts. I love fiber arts. So using my hands to create something on art Sundays is, it's, it's a really good form of worship and it's a form of self-care at the same time. That's a really good way of putting it. I love that about the art Sundays and that it's actually a form of worship because often I especially as an, an artist I feel guilty because I've got a, an art shack down the end of the garden and, and I, I have to especially during the winter months it's just such a psychological feat just to get down to the end of the garden to dedicate some time to my art making and it, and it really is hard and often as a mum we often feel guilty don't we 
Mm-hmm. Um, doing something so indulgent but actually it's like you say it's so good for you and I believe it well the studies show just being creative is so good for your mental health it's like a form of exercise isn't it mm-hmm. yes you know important and like you were saying it's just getting into that zone where you can switch off and focus I love how you said that God delights in us as we do it because that again it's it's just getting rid of that guilt and thinking oh this is just you know just a waste of time even though it never is but I I often wonder that I'm battling those thoughts just getting myself into that place for doing some art and I've got so many projects and it's like I've got so much to do and yet as a mum we're like oh I've got this to do I've got some reading I've got writing I've got kids we've got this that and the other and then just to know that God delights in us and actually sees it as a form of worship well that's a box that needs ticking isn't it so <laughs> on our list. I need to do more art for me because God benefits from it <laughs> and well, if we ever need encouragement that God loves artists you can go to the Old Testament when it talks about the building of the temple And there is so much detail recorded there about what the artists were commissioned to make, the weavings, the sculptures, the kind of wood that they use, the metal work that they did. And I just think that was God's house on earth. He wanted it to be beautiful. And he spends an enormous chunk of uh the literature in the Old Testament describing in detail exactly how he wanted it. That has been so encouraging to me. You know, a lot of people think the Old Testament is dry and boring to read, but I love reading all those descriptions in that portion because it's very affirming to me as an artist that it matters to God. It matters to God that we reflect his glory by making beautiful things. And we artists are, we're, we're amazing at doing that. And most people I've known, maybe this is true for you, Rachel, who don't have artistic talent, the consistent response that I get from them is, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do what you do. And I think there's just a longing in the human heart to create beautiful things to glorify God. And they can do it in other ways. You know, they can make an amazing spreadsheet or lead an event in such, you know, an organized and uh, amazing way. But we can do it by using our hands and certain tools and techniques to make a thing of beauty that reflects the image of God, really. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, but there is this cultural... Um, belief I, I don't know if it's the same over in the US but over here people are taught in the education system you're either good at art or you're not good at art and I think there's differences between an artist and just being creative and I think like it says there's different forms of creativity and I do think anything that helps you get into that zone where like you said that you switch off from the outside world and just connect with your yourself and if you're a believer to God that's your creativity so even going for walks in the countryside or music or writing I do I do believe personally that we're all creative because we're all you know whatever that looks like for that person because God's a creator and we're like made in his image so he is what 
you know, we are, that's what you said, we've all got this urge and need to create. I think it's a form of communication as well. And it's the way that our minds process life, you know. And it's just also the different senses, like you say, working with your hands, it stimulates. And it's like, especially during lockdown, where we weren't even allowed to touch people or hug people. People were getting stressed because they weren't having physical touch anymore. And there were people saying, you need to go around and hug yourself because just stimulating your senses releases serotonin and oxytocin. I don't know if it's serotonin, but it's the oxytocin. I think it's that bonding hormone that we have racing through us that often get stimulated when we are working with our hands as well so it's all the feel-good endorphins just these acts and I think because everything's become so technologically based we're losing that tactile nature of ourselves that humanness and technology is great most of the time although I don't have a fondness for it I accept the situation begrudgingly I would much rather write something down or paint it from scratch than do it on the computer yeah um, I feel more in control that way but um I accept this is the world we're in now but like you say it's so important isn't it and the impact of not being creative is actually really detrimental to our overall well-being right so, yeah um so how would you share, you share your content through a website, don't you? And you've got podcasts. Um, how would you encourage people to connect with you and engage with your, like, the things that you're currently doing? Well, I, I do have books available if you like to read. I do have one coming out in the fall of 2022 Uh, that I think will really appeal to creative people, nature lovers. It's called Hidden Mana on a Country Road. It's based on me taking walks out here in Missouri. I'm a fifth generation resident of this area. And we got a puppy in 2019, even though we had lived on this property since 2004, I hadn't gotten out there and walked on the gravel roads because I didn't need to. But when you have a dog who needs a lot of exercise, you got you to gotta take them out there. And what happened was I was starting to notice all these things outside in nature because I was up close. I wasn't driving by in my car. I was right next to them. So I started noticing plants and flowers and insects and birds and animals and trees and sunsets and things in the sky that I just hadn't paid as much attention to before. And I saw all these metaphors for prayer that we can um, use kind of as prayer prompts, just the things that are on our walks. Now you, you know, you're right outside of London. And I would posit that even if you walk the streets of London, you could find 10,000 things to pray about just walking down one city street. So you don't have to be on my gravel road in Missouri to see all the um, flowers and bees and birds. You can do it anywhere you live in the world. If you just open your eyes to God's provision all around us, just like when the Israelites were in the wilderness, he would rain down the manna from heaven. It was like dew covering the grass And they just had to gather it for their own sustenance. And I think he still does that for us today. 
So that's something I'm very excited about. Um, my two podcasts are solo podcasts. So one is for, it's a ministry to adult children of divorce uh, here in the U.S. since the no-fault divorce laws went into effect in the 1970s. There are upwards of 60 million of us who are children living with the hurts and hangups after our parents divorced. And so I feel like I want to affirm those hurts and also show people that there is hope and healing in God, because that's what's happened in my story. And then my other podcast is called Finding Peace in God's Word, which is the tagline of my website. And it is converting, I have over 800 blog posts that I've written over the years, and it's converting them into an audio format. I'm really excited. It seems that it's reaching a younger audience. And I think that younger people really like to consume short form content. So they're looking for um, something to feed that, that void we talked about before that God puts in our heart that only he can fill. And I think they're looking for kinds of content like that um, to feed that um, urge inside of them to connect with God. And it's just such an honor to produce that content in a different way. They might have never read those blog posts, but now they're consuming them in that, in that uh, form. And then also I, I would be remiss to not uh, mention this. I have had a success in setting up an Etsy shop for some of my little paintings and bookmarks that I made and I would like to expand some more into that on these art Sundays, maybe make one little piece that's for sale and then one little piece that's just for my pleasure, you know? So I don't think there's anything wrong. You know, we've had a very spiritual discussion about this, but we've never lived in a time that's more fruitful in terms of us being able to introduce our art to the world and sell it to them if they want to purchase it. And I think that's really exciting and fun. It's fun to just have that ability to do that. So that's kind of an area I'd like to expand in in the future. Oh, fantastic. So yeah, no, there are so many outlets now for selling art. And like I speak with Debbie last week, one of our podcasts, she's she, you might you might be interested to connect with her because she runs an art prophetics gallery um, and not just for art she does all sorts of different bits and bobs so that's one for you to check out as well but yeah, yeah. That's fantastic so how important are mentors and others in supporting you in your creative journey well like I said it it helped me when I felt like I was going through a season of doubt after I graduated from college. Am I ever going to really be able to use my gifts or am I just stuck doing a nine to five job? Um, it helped me to connect with other creatives in my community. So I'm really blessed to live in this small community. We have two writers guilds and it's been a very long time since I've done this, but they have a Wednesday night drawing group at the arts council too. So I, I haven't been able to do that since I've had children, 
but that was really fun um, to go. They would have a model and just two hours to draw the person. Um, I mean, just like we did in college, really. And people of all ages um, still do that. So um, I would like to, as my kids get older, you know, my evenings can open up a little bit more. So I would love to do that again, because it's so, just so fun to see the different styles. We're all looking at the same person, but everybody interprets it in such a different way. And that's really exciting. That is um, interesting. And then in the writer's guilds, it's kind of the same way. It's, um, you know, connecting with people that write completely different genres, like um, horror, <laughs> I don't write horror novels, or real technical things, cookbooks, right? It's just all these people. And the thing we have in common is that we write and we just cheer each other on and support each other. And, uh, and now I've kind of, moved on into more of a teaching role. So I've hosted a local writers conference, and then I'm going to be speaking at a live event for writers, um, actually two of those in February. So it's neat to give back. Like once you've reached a certain point where you're not a beginner anymore, but you've got enough knowledge to share with other people, it's really exciting and fun to do that in your community, to give a talk at your library or maybe a, a little creative group like I've been talking about and just share what you know with other people. So that's really interesting. So you talked about um, joining groups like the creative guilds and things like that. And you also talked about, you know, once you become more professional expert in their field, then you can share and speak. So it's really interesting that you said that you're talking at some live events. So how do you get into these live events how do you get these opportunities to speak and share your knowledge well uh I had written some pieces for pay for our local newspaper and then one of the people that work there one of the editors she kind of hosts these events and so uh, that's how I got these opportunities. So she's asked me to speak at some of these things and, and that's great. I mean, I think our local libraries and our local newspapers are underused resources in terms of connecting with people who can elevate our platforms. Uh, and locally is a great place to start practicing your speaking skills and, um, displaying your art. Um, there's right now, uh, my mother-in-law has a booth at a little place. It's kind of like a gathering place for crafters. So there's all these craft booths in this one place. And so some of my paintings and books are there. So you don't necessarily have to sell your things in a gallery or a bookstore. There's all these other opportunities. Mm. Um, where you can sell your creative products and you just kind of have to think outside the box. And I have found that most local places like that are just thrilled to work with local authors or artists. They're just, yeah. they'll bend over backwards to, to put your stuff in their shop and support you. Oh yeah. No, I've had experiences um, exhibited in coffee shops and yes, uh -huh. places like that as well as galleries and 
you know, I have had quite a lot of success actually selling in coffee shops because people often look at your art, don't they, while they're drinking the coffee. And yeah. They're regulars, they start to fall in love with it, don't they? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's interesting. There are lots of different ways we can sell and get ourselves, you know, known. Um, it's really interesting what you say about reaching out to local newspapers. Um and what else was it? Libraries, did you say? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, in, in our town, we've got St. Albans Museum, and they're doing a lot of work. A lot of galleries are working, especially post-COVID, with mental health initial initiatives mm-hmm. to really get the creatives and br- build a bridge between communities that really don't normally access art galleries as well. They're trying to really break the mould. So, yeah, I've got a project coming up too that's quite, you know profound in that area so it is amazing I do think the tide is turning a little bit more towards supporting creatives a little bit more to have more of a voice and an outlet so it's good that you're experiencing that too yeah I agree yes so who do you find inspiring Sarah is there a particular artist that you love or a leader or a singer or all of them you're gonna think this is a cliche but it is my honest to god answer I have been mildly obsessed with Vincent Van Gogh since I was a teenager. Yeah. And I, I studied him. I mean, I just consumed books about him. I wanted to know everything about him. I repainted some of his paintings just to get a sense of his style. One was on the cafeteria wall of my high school. Uh, So yeah. Um, And what I, what I think intrigues me about him the most is, you know, he was a troubled soul. He, he was probably mentally ill. We at least know he struggled with depression and that's part of my story too. So I kind of, I kind of connected with him that way. And I think he was also a man of faith. At least he started that way. He, he was going to study to become a pastor And so I do feel like I kind of have hope that I will see him in heaven. And won't that be an amazing experience? Oh, that would be phenomenal, yes. It would be. And I think another thing that I like about his his style is vibrant color. I know that the trends are toward pastels or earth tones, but I have always loved vibrant jewel tones and colors and and Vincent's art just speaks to me in that way um he painted so many flowers and landscapes that's what I like and he was if there's any artist that couldn't not do it it was him he was so prolific he was so poor and yet he (laughs) he found a way to paint basically every day once he started doing it. So I see him as such a passionate person and nothing was going to stop him from pursuing his dream. So he just has inspired me so much in my own story that even Mm -hmm. if you are mentally disordered, even if you have depression, even if you feel like the world is out to get you, art can be your safe place and art can be where you always come home to yourself. And when I go and see his art, that's what I'm reminded of that keep doing it 
And even though he didn't see the fruits of his labor, he only sold one painting. What a crying shame that is. Only one painting during his life. Just think of how he blessed the world with his vision of beauty. And I have a capital one card right now. And the background is starry night. And I tell you, every time I use it, people say, I love that card. I love, I love the design on your card. And I think about how Vincent had no idea all the blessing he was placing in the world that just makes people happy. And that's what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to move us, make us think, and just give us joy. And that's what his art has always done for me since I was a teenager. So I have a crush on him. I question. I've never had a crush on Vincent Van Gogh, but I do know. You. Very, I do. Very big. Yeah, oh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward I, to that reunion in heaven. If I think that's the will. Yeah, I do think there's different types of crushes, though, don't you think? Because you can have like. It's just a celebrity crush. It's celebrity crushes. You can have artist crushes. You can have a female friend crush in terms of, oh, she's just (laughs) awesome, you know. I just love that word, crush. And I was trying to say this to my daughter. I was trying to explain to her that crushes don't just, because I think someone was being really nice to her. And I said, oh, maybe he's got a crush on you. She goes, oh, no, he's got a girlfriend. And I said, do people still have crushes? You know, it doesn't mean say that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean anything bad. It's just, well, you know, not once you're in a relationship, it all stops. You don't have feelings for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just life, isn't it? We're human beings and we all bounce off each other and are picking up things from each other all the time. And and that's part of the journey and that's why I love the art therapy because we really go into that and what the art means when we really analyze the impact of the unconscious mind and the symbols and you know even like colors like you're drawn to or people that you're drawn to it's very fascinating so yeah so you've talked a lot about your lifestyle habits so you clearly go for walks regularly with your dog yes and you practice art um, is there anything else that you would sort of advocate for good mental, spiritual and creative health to our listeners? Well, you know, it's winter while we're talking about this. So um, I did not want to go on a walk today. It was snowing, northern wind blowing and just cold and gray. So today's not such a great day for a walk, but I can bake something that's creative you know, I can, I can do something else inside with my hands because, or get my flute out and play a couple hymns just as praise and worship to God. Mm -hmm. I feel like any day that I take even five minutes to be creative in some way in the summer, it's my garden. Mm -hmm. Um, but any time, any day that I take time to do that, um, and just kind of let myself let that moment wash over me and realize it's, it's, it's like, um, it's the creativity endorphin rush. Like we've talked about, that's a better day than the days that I haven't done that. It just automatically makes it a better day. So even though, yes, it takes time and there's a little bit of sacrifice. Like we were talking about as moms, we have to juggle all these things. 
But anytime that I do that, sometimes it's just writing in my journal before I go to bed. I just feel more in touch with that creative person inside of me. And, and that feels good. And I do feel like it's a form of self-care, really. No, it's exactly. It's almost like I've I, I got this, I drew this picture of painting and I called it Be With Me. Or, and it stuck, came from a place of come back to me. I felt like God saying, just come back to me. And I do think creativity is what brings us back to that place with God or gets us to sit in that chair where and he he flows water over us and replenishes and and, and we spend so many time saying, I haven't got time for the chair today. And I'm so guilty of it, you know. I've got this to do, I've got that to do. And there's so many things vying for our attention that, you know, we're only going to get filled if we just sit in that place. And I loved how you said just even writing, if you haven't had time um, to write in your journal or just even notes before you go to sleep, even if it's just help. I just need help um, or something you know if you've got a busy time or stressful situations and you just don't have the vocabulary you know you can just write something very simple down even a symbol you know or sketch something sketch Real something quick. yeah but I think we're such perfectionists aren't we you know we think mm-hmm that unless I've got time to do something really, really well, that's mm. going to look phenomenal and isn't going to make me feel embarrassed in any way, then I'm just not going to bother. But we never get to that place unless we go through those baby steps of writing something down, making a sketch, baking that cake, going for that walk. Those things all are part of the final product. The product is the finished piece. It's like whenever I create these workshops people think you just turn up and you do a workshop but it's it's the planning it's the execution it's the thinking it's the researching it's the designing it's the packing it's the purchasing and the final product you see that only lasts for one hour is actually there's probably three or four weeks of work behind all that you know so it is it's and these are the little things isn't it that writing it down and drawing it and really thinking it through so what do you think are the biggest hurdles that you see creatives pursuing today? I think it's just making time to do it. I think you're right in that the pandemic has been a reset for us because many of us had extra time. And so we were using that to create. But now that life is getting slightly more back to normal, it's still not I don't know that we're ever going to go back to the way it was before, but more of a normal rhythm of work and activities and things. Mm. I think it's all the more important for us to reserve that hour for art Sunday or whatever, you know, like you're saying, maybe for you, it's Thursday nights, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because you're a night owl and, and kind of designating that as sacred space because it matters for our own artistic dreams. It matters for that 10,000 hours I talked about. The more you practice, the better you're going to get, the more confident, the more um, polished your style is going to become. But also that self-care for yourself and the way that you connect with God, 
really in a way that you don't connect with him. I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I don't connect with him the same way when I'm making artists co- compared to going to church to worship or singing or praying. It's, there's, it's like a different channel that opens up when I'm making art and I don't want to, I don't want to miss that just because life is starting to resume its normal rhythm. So it's up to me to guard that time and set that time aside. And I'm, I'm feeling convicted as I'm saying this, <laughs> I, it's been a few weeks since I've done an art Sunday and I can tell, I can tell the difference and it would be to my benefit to do that. And, yeah. and I need to make it a priority myself. No, definitely. No, it is definitely a discipline. And it's like I've read on your website, you talked a lot about boundaries as well. And boundaries mm-hmm. are so important. And often the way we exhibit our life often represents mm-hmm. what's going on inside of us as well. So if our life is boundaryless, it often demonstrates the chaos within. And it's, yes. and it's very much that, you know, cycle of what we create within is what we will create without. And mm-hmm. we really need to be mindful of that. And the only way to do that is to take time out to be creative and mindful so we can observe ourselves more uh, for sure. So um, is there any particular situation that you're unsure where God wanted you to serve and how or just uncertainty over this creative journey and you really well, you know, needed God's guidance. How do you feel God led you through those difficult times of uncertainty? Um, I think that, let's see, when I wasn't sure of where or how to serve, one thing that helped me was to get involved in small groups in my church. And that way I got to know people who could plug me in to the ministries that needed creative gifts. Cause we need to remember that our artistic abilities are also spiritual gifts that are meant to be used to edify the body of Christ. So there are opportunities within church to practice those um, skills to benefit everyone else. So when I was younger, this was serving in the arts and crafts part at the Vacation Bible School. Um, Now what I do is I attend a large church, and so they have... uh, discussion questions based on the sermon every week that they give to anyone that's a part of their 75 plus small groups. So those small groups, if they choose, they can use those as their discussion questions for the week if they're not doing a different Bible study or something like that. So once a month, I get to write those questions And I love serving in that capacity because no one really knows that I'm doing it. My name doesn't go on it, but I feel like I'm using my writing skills 
as a way of serving my church. It's taking a load off the pastoral staff who they have plenty of stuff on their plate. So it's a way that I can use my gifts to bless the other people in the church. And there's all kinds of opportunities like this if we just ask. And you would be surprised at how many churches are looking for someone who could fill those gaps for them, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's the audiovisual graphics that are needed or help with the church newsletter, or maybe something like I'm doing sermon notes. Uh, There are many, many opportunities for the arts in the church, but we have to know who to ask. And the only way to do that is to go to church, connect with people, and and ask, seek, and knock for those kind of opportunities. And it's just a joy to do that. It's, I mean, I've tried other things. I tried working in the church nursery. That doesn't, it's very important, but that's not my gifting. Mm-hmm. I feel just more um, joyful you know, like God tells us to give with a cheerful heart. And I feel like that's true in terms of our spiritual gifts too. We need to exercise them in a way that makes us feel cheerful and uplifted and doing it out of a generous spirit rather than like a reluctant one. Um, so that was really good for me, um, to serve in those capacities because, it was doing something I already enjoyed and was good at that blessed other people. Mm. So. So, so you felt like getting connected was really important for you to find your purpose with God. I guess there's just so many different ways, isn't there, for finding our purpose with God as well? Because some people don't have time to get completely immersed in their church or give in that way for different seasons in their life. So I guess it's understanding maybe that Sometimes we're there to help church. Sometimes helping God is helping actually the community outside of the church as well. And and like you say, getting involved with the libraries and newspaper, that's a really good way of serving God as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so there's lots of different ways. and That's amazing. Thank you. Um, What's the funniest or strangest experience you've ever had? (laughs) with the arts maybe or just anything just anything it can be your kids it could be I don't know something you've watched on tv something that happened to you well this is a story my kids bring up I when I'm under stress I crumble okay I am a fool basically (laughs) so it was one morning this is when I was still working And I was running a little bit late and I ran through a stop sign and I got pulled over by a cop. I was about two blocks away from school and I wasn't thinking. And he comes up to my window and he's like, you know, license and registration. And I literally said, can I just go drop my kids? What did he say? He looked at me with like a straight face and he's like, don't worry about it. Just go. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess with a school mom on the run. (laughs) 
my mantra. <laughs> we become mean. <laughs> my kids were so mortified. They're in the back seat looking at me like, are you serious? Did you just, did that just really happen? And that was several years ago. So now they're all teenagers and they just love throwing me under the bus. And they're like, you know what? You're that person in the local police (laughs) department. You're like the crazy mom story. Like you guys can't top this one, can you? Uh, I've left. I've left doors wide open. I've left push chairs behind in the seat. I mean, I've never left a child behind, fortunately, but I've had people turn up at my front door saying, you left your pram in the road. <laughs> I've come home and found people, Rachel, you left your door wide open. And they're like, no. And you've got like kids, your baby brain and all that kind of thing. Yeah, but you, have, you haven't told a cop that he needed to wait, have you, Rachel? Have I told a cop he needed to wait? I might have told a cop to do something that I don't. <laughs> um, I always, yeah, no, I haven't told, a, I haven't actually, I think I've been pulled over once, but I've actually been quite a good girl on the whole, but I'm really terrible for parking tickets. Oh. Um, and I'm, and banging into things. Like my car's always got little bangs. I've got no visual spatial awareness whatsoever. And I always hope for the best. And my husband, or I even ran into a, a big block of flats once, you know. Because <laughs> how could you miss that? It's right in front of you. Like, yeah, I know. But we no, I have told, our little quirky I haven't told a police enough. I'm sure there's something I've done that's equally as bad. I don't know. It's, it's pretty bad. bad. Probably, yeah. If I ask my husband, I'm sure he'll come up with some. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, get Rachel on a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> you might end up in trouble. I, I probably would probably end up getting myself into a lot of trouble if I was stressed and got caught up. And like you get tunnel vision, don't you? Because we're like, we've just, yes. got to, I've just got to get the kids to school. I do remember though, something similar. I was on a treadmill running and I was doing really fast and I passed out and fell off the treadmill no and and I woke up completely delirious but and I was like because I was trying to get to the target of my running I was like I just I couldn't understand why I was on the floor and I was like trying to climb back on this moving treadmill totally not with it for like a few, I don't know how long, until it dawned on me that I'd fainted and I could never get on a moving treadmill. And then I just totally burst into tears on the floor. Oh <laughs> and this man on the next treadmill saw that there's this wailing woman on the floor completely covered in oil and her clothes ripped because they got shredded on the treadmill. How embarrassing. <laughs> he goes to me, are you okay? I said, I just want to finish my run. <laughs> but that's a mum who's not got a lot of time at the gym, whose baby's in the crash. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Mums with tunnel vision. Yes. Tunnel vision, isn't it? And you, you just like, I just got this amount of time to get this done. Do not get in my path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
definitely. I don't I don't miss those days at all. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that is a benefit of being a mom of teenagers. <laughs> Some benefits, definitely. Yes. Okay, right then. So what are you reading at the moment? Is there any sources out there that you would like to share with us or you know? Yeah, um, I just I don't read novels very much because I get sucked into them but I just read you'll love this um it's called the other Bennett sister so it is about Mary she's the middle sister in Jane Austen's novels about the Bennett family and it's it's about her um coming into herself and uh it's just a totally different look, totally different angle. And I really loved her personal transformation. And it was just a, it's kind of reminiscent of Jane Austen's writing style, but it's, a, it's, I would call it slightly modernized. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And Mary is not the only well-developed character. There's many other ones in there and it was just a delight to read that book I was sad when it was over it was that kind of book oh cool so that's the other Bennett sister the other Bennett sister it was beautifully written beautifully written and um I uh just finished watching Downton Abbey for the first time I didn't watch it when it was on before and I just fell in love with it and I'm so excited for the movie that's coming out this spring I can't wait to see oh, it is that a, mo- is that, is that a new movie a new movie. movie coming out in March and it's about it's like a new chapter that they go to um, the south of France I think oh. and uh yeah it's a whole new like chapter but with the same the mm. same people in it so I can't wait to see it oh wow yeah no I, I do know the Americans do love the Downton Abbey series oh I it's just so intriguing have you heard of Call the Midwife no I'll yeah. have to check that out is that is that yeah. another series yes that's a British series called Call the Midwife and it's based in it's set in it starts off in the 1940s and it's sort of moving up through oh. the late 1900s and it's how midwifery has evolved and my mum was a midwife and a lot of the sort of props that they use is very sort of relates to my children how my mum would have dressed as a midwife and yeah but it's all and it combines how the nuns were very much part of the community and it really it is I think it's lovely series called the midwife I don't know if you can access it over there but I'll look for it but thanks for that suggestion so so do you think that as as a Brit, do you think that Downton Abbey, did you like it as well? No, I do like Downton Abbey. I think I've lost interest in it. Okay. Um, and I don't know if there was something like a movie that I went to see, and I don't know if it's the same one. I didn't feel it really got me. I think because we have so many series now that are sort of, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of era. They're all really good, though. They are very good. Very well produced. And they the are they're just so, so amazing, right? To see yeah. the costuming and the... Oh, yeah. exactly. And they're always bringing new stuff out. And, and I, they brought out quite an edgy one called Bridgerton. Um, yes, I haven't, I haven't watched that one yet, but I have heard 
about it? Yeah, I mean, I did watch it, but we fast forwarded it quite a lot of these scenes because a lot of adult content in it, right? A lot of it, but the storyline was very good. And what I really liked about it was they brought a lot of it was contemporarily done. So there was a lot of people with lots of different skin color and Mm -hmm. there's a massive Mm -hmm. modern twist in it. And I thought that was brilliantly written. But again, it is sensitive to the viewers. It's not child friendly. Right. Sure. It's, not, it's not Downton Abbey. Right. It's not well, TV. <laughs> Downton has some scenes in it that, of course, they were the ones that my daughter um, joined me to watch. And I said, yeah. it's really like this every time. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah it's well, a, it a lot more edgy than Downton yeah. Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no even my daughter tells me I should oh, I shouldn't watch that one so she's like my conscience but they they know those they know. She's, a lot more, she's a lot more godly than me I'm sure so <laughs> I brought her up well um yeah so I think that's it really is there any any other way we can connect with you so Facebook if you just if you just go to the front page of sarahgeringer.com You'll see all my socials, my podcasts, my books, all the services I offer, my Etsy shop, on and on, courses that I've created. So kind of a buffet for you to choose from. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. So, and I know that you're going to send us some images that we can put on the podcast and we can look at your new books coming out. And so I'm just going to finish off and pray for you, Sarah. Thank and you. then um yeah it's been fantastic to it has been this time with you okay so I'm just gonna pray for you right now and just ask father god to be with you and his holy spirit and we just thank you god for this opportunity to spend time with like-minded creatives and we just love what you're doing in this area of creativity we thank you for the Ophony media that's allowing us to talk and provide a platform for us to all connect and we just pray for Sarah right now in all her pursuits with her new book launch and all these events that she's speaking at God that you'd be with her and fill her and give her the words we just pray for protection over her and her family and we just declare God that that um, painting Sunday or creative Sunday that she does gets protected and that you really meet with her in such an intimate way during those times and we pray for all of us that we get more inspired and connected with you for our creativity in Jesus name amen thank you so much thank you so much for listening today to see all the resources mentioned in this episode head over to our website at theophanymedia.com forward slash Sarah. To support the show and join our patron community where you'll get extra access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com forward slash creatively Christian. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert and Rachel Oxborough. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music. And Jake Dobrins produces and edits the show. 